I want to continue uh, our series, uh, which is the priority of heaven over earth. And I want to talk about having your eyes full of light. Uh, so if you'd like to turn to Matthew chapter 6, uh, we're going to do the next section of that uh, in verses 22 to 23. Uh, um, this series is essentially about the fact that Jesus doesn't want us to be worried about material things. doesn't want that to be our preoccupation, our priority in life. He wants us to prioritize heaven over earth. And so today we're going to see that that's going to affect how we look at things, how we look at the world um, and what we choose to look at. Because in the end, <clears throat> in the end, what we look at is what we become. Uh, and what we aim at, we're, we're surely going to hit. So we better be careful what we're looking at. So if we, what we look at is what we become. If we aim at, what we aim at is what we're going to hit. So we've got to be looking at the right things. So today I want to talk about the importance of having our eyes full of light. Because according to Jesus... When our eyes are full of light, our whole bodies, our whole lives are full of light. We walk in the light. But if our eyes are full of darkness, <coughs> the darkness is what defines us, or grayness. <laughs> but we don't want to be defined by darkness, we want to be defined by light. So let's just read the passage, Matthew chapter 6, 22 to 23, just a couple of verses. And Jesus is speaking and he says, the eye is the lamp of the body. And if your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So just, I'm just going to take these verses apart a bit now. I'm just going to walk through uh, these couple of verses. And the first thing is the eye is the lamp of the body, verse 22. Now, obviously, this is a metaphor. Uh, our eyes are not literally lamps. They don't literally project light. Actually, they let light in, don't they, from the outside. And because of that, we have the ability to see. And the gift of sight, without the gift of sight, then we stumble over things, we trip over things. And without the gift of sight, the, the, the world is literally a darkness to us. And so that's what Jesus is talking about. So in this way, our eyes are like lamps because without them, we can't see where we're going. So they show us the way to go. But it is amazing. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, how much you can actually tell from someone's eyes. I mean, there is just something about eyes, isn't there? How often have you found, especially with people that you know very well, perhaps your wife or your husband, that you can know just what they're thinking just from the expression of their eyes. I mean, my mum was a complete expert on this, and she'd say, don't you give me that look. And she knew exactly what defiance I was considering in that moment. I couldn't get away with anything under those beady eyes. But in fact, it's interesting, I was reading up a bit about this, that actually you can um, now actually diagnose different conditions, Asperger's, that kind of thing, from tests of how people can read expressions in eyes. This is a scientific fact now, that being able to read just the expression of somebody's eyes is what part of what uh, makes us uh, able to socially connect with people. Uh, so I can tell you the web address if you're interested in doing the online test. It is very interesting. So, I mean, if you look at the eyes of this person on the screen, 
who would think that was a lady or a man? It's a lady. And what kind of expression would you imagine? Is that what, what sort of words come to mind when you see that expression? Would you see playfulness? Would you see worry? Would you see, what would you see? Any, any suggestions from people? Yeah? Determination. So you see determination. Anger. Somebody else sees anger. Ooh. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I've been keeping these eyes on my computer for a while. Uh, just needed to confess that publicly. But, Say again? Penetration. Penetration. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing just from a set of eyes, you can get all kinds of feelings and emotions from looking at them. And I can't tell you what the result is, uh, what that look is meant to say, but the test will be able to tell you. But this is just a metaphor that Jesus is using here. But even with a metaphor, I, I really believe that it reveals something supernatural and profound. Because if you were to see Jesus now, if you were to see Jesus in his glorified state, you'd see there's most definitely something about the eyes. <laughs> definitely something about his eyes. John tells us about this. He, he has a, a revelation in the book of Revelation of Jesus' eyes. And I love reading this particular passage. It's one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible is John's vision of Jesus in chapter 1 of Revelation. He says that he saw somebody among the lampstands, like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool and as white as snow, but man alive, you should have seen his eyes. His eyes were like blazing fire. <laughs> I mean, how would you like to see those eyes? You wouldn't be able to come away from a vision of Jesus and not pay attention to those blazing eyes of fire. And there's something about the eyes. And there's something of this supernatural dimension for us too in what Jesus says, because in a very real sense, this <laughs> I've read loads of commentaries on this, and commentators go both ways. Either it's that we can see where we're going, or you can see something inside of us through the eyes. And so it either our eyes project spiritual light or the great spiritual darkness within us. There's something very transparent about the eyes that lets others see what's going on there. And you might have heard it said that the eyes are the windows of the soul. Shakespeare said it, and I don't know how many other people are credited with saying it, but the eyes are the window of the soul. I had a very vivid uh, example of this a few years ago. We were in life group and... Uh, <clears throat> We were just meeting around and uh, it suddenly became apparent to me that somebody in the room needed some help. They were struggling and needed to experience some freedom. They were struggling in the meeting. And uh, so I started to deal with it there and then. I looked around the life group and thought, yeah, they can handle this. So we started to deal with it there and then. And uh, so I commanded the thing to let go of that individual. And I said... Uh, you know, you, you're not to touch that man anymore. You let him go and uh, started to take authority over it. And we tussled for a bit. <laughs> and then on instinct, I just suddenly said to the man, I said, look, just open your eyes 
and look at me for a minute. Just look at me. I know it's not going to be pleasant, but just look at me for a minute. <laughs> he opened his eyes and I looked at him and he looked at me and as if the demonic thing that was attached to him said, oh, and he's off. And he just couldn't bear to look at my eyes and it scarpered there and then. I didn't even need to speak. And speaking to the man afterwards, he says that in that moment, he says, I could see in another way. I saw you in a different realm. He said, I I saw fire in your eyes. And I was overwhelmed with a sense of love as you looked at me and the glory of God. How about that? I bet you'd like to see me like that. Um, (laughs) But what is in your soul? Because if the eyes are the window of the soul, what would your windows reveal about you? You probably give away more than you realize. But Jesus wants our eyes to be good. (laughs) Which means that he wants us to be full of light. Reflecting something of who we really are because we're from his kingdom now. (laughs) And his kingdom is a kingdom of light. It's the light of his glory. And if you're a believer today, then that kingdom is in you. And it must affect the way that you live. So Paul says, for you were once darkness, but now you are light. Live as children of light. You were once, that's identity fact. You were in darkness, but now you are light. So you need to live as if you're a child of light. And we need to be careful what we look at. We need to be careful what we give ourselves to. We need to be careful about what we allow into our souls because the darkness tries to creep back in to bring shadows into our relationship with God and with one another. And so instead of being full of light, sometimes we can be full of something that's a bit grimy, a bit grey. You know, have you met any Christians like this? They've just lost some of their brightness lost some of their passion they've just lost something you can see it in their eyes (laughs) you can see it in their eyes that's where it starts (coughs) so it's what you look at and it's where you fix your attention that counts so verse 23 if your eyes are bad your whole body's full of darkness and it's and what this literally means is it's like your eyes lose their ability to focus Now, for me, I've never had that great eyesight. Um, I can only see out of one eye, and I don't see very well out of that eye. In the last couple of years, though, I've uh, really struggled with focus. Apparently, it's a sign of getting older. I don't believe it. Um, But, you know, we can, even as a sign of aging, we can lose our focus. And even spiritually, I believe it's the same thing, that we can, over the years, stuff gets in and we can get disillusioned and disappointment comes in and the vision that once burned so brightly in the past starts to dim and where we're going and what we're aiming at starts to get distorted and lost and we lose some of that focus we lose some of that immediacy and our eyes get distorted or maybe they get uh, distracted <laughs> we get distracted don't we i don't know uh, but I, I get quite easily distracted. It's a personality thing. Alison will often say to me, you're not listening, are you? And I, oh, I'm trying. But I just get distracted so easily. And I found this, I don't know if anybody else uses video conferencing. I hate it. Because with video conferencing, you have to sit in the same place and look. Where do you look? What do you look at? 
So you want to look at the person, but actually if you're looking at the person, you see at the corner of your eye, it looks like you're looking down. And actually you want to be looking at them so they can see. And you get so, and I get myself worked up. And then I have to sit still for so long. I had a Skype conversation with somebody for an hour the other day and then he killed me. You know, I just have to look out the window, walk around. I mean, what's wrong with the telephone? Or what's wrong with coming to see me? Why do we have to use anyway? Sorry, it's not just a little rant. But we get distracted, don't we, so easily. Uh, spiritually, things come across our line of sight and we take our eyes off Jesus for a moment. And as Peter found, when he stepped out of the boat, taking your eyes off Jesus means that you sink and you get overwhelmed. Uh, and storms come in. But it starts with the eyes. Because what you look at is what you become and what you aim at you will probably hit. And your focus or your lack of it can lead you into trouble. So Jesus warns us, if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great then is that darkness? There's such a contrast. You see, if you're full of light and then there's shadows of darkness start to get into your walk with God and with one another, it shows up even more because actually you're a child of light. You're a child of the kingdom of darkness. The contrast is very clear in the believer. We need to have our bodies full of light. And for for this, there are some decisions that we need to make, some steps that we need to take, which are pretty simple, really. The first one of this, if our bodies are going to be full of light, is don't look at dark things. Don't look at dark things. I had a vivid experience of this many years ago. I hope you're okay with this story, but this is a true story. It's early, just moved out of home. I was about 18 years old. And somebody came round and asked me if I'd pray for them because they were struggling with various different things. And so I, I did. I thought, yeah, great opportunity. And as I was praying for him, I will never forget this moment. Uh, as I was praying for him, uh, something demonic started to manifest. And it was so vivid. I can't tell you even now uh, if it actually came into the physical world, but it was so vivid. And it was horrible. It was clinging to him. It had claws in him, stuck into his shoulders. And I could see with absolute fascination that as I started to pray, this thing started to loosen its grip. And I found that delightful to watch. Uh, But then I found that it distracted me so much I couldn't take my eyes off of it. And suddenly all the power of the Holy Spirit within me seemed to just dissipate. And I was gripped and I just didn't know what to do became fascinated with seeing something that was so evil and uh, after that event I actually needed people to pray for me Uh, for about two weeks after that I was overwhelmed with evil stuff happening in my room Uh, dreams stuff would happen and I get strangled horrible things because I take my eyes off Jesus and start to look at something evil and I was praying about it one day and this is when I first saw this verse Jesus says, I don't want you looking at dark things. I said, well, how do I look at this kind of stuff? He said, well, you keep your eyes on the light and anything that comes as a shadow, I'll show you. But you don't need to go looking for that kind of thing. Keep your eyes full of light. I was speaking to a prophetic person recently and they were saying to me, they're seeing seeing demons everywhere. So I was going to the shops and there's a big demon there. I was going here and there's a big demon there. I said, well, why on earth would you want to look at that stuff anyway? 
I'm really not interested in what the devil is doing. I'm not interested in looking at him and what he's messing around with. I only want to see what Jesus is doing. And then if he shows me anything else, the thing is that if Jesus shows you what's going on, Paul says we're not unaware of his schemes. That's not because Paul was looking everywhere for the demonic. He was actually being led by the Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit shows you the devil's strategies, at the same moment as he shows you his strategy, he will give you the authority to deal with it. And it doesn't overwhelm you. You actually bring light into that situation. Don't look at dark things. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Secondly, don't look at sinful things. Things that will harm you and your walk with God. Things that will distract you and waste your time. You know, so much time is spent on ridding ourselves of the guilt and condemnation that comes from images that have got stuck in our memories and enters our spirits when we shouldn't have been looking at them in the first place. You know, whether these images are sexual or violent or spiritual, we can never unsee what we have seen. We can never unsee them. Once you've seen them, that's it. Actually, for some images that either shock or stimulate us, uh, scientists tell us that there's a response that happens in our brains. There's a chemical reaction which then fixes that image in our minds, and it's very hard to forget what we've seen. Uh, PTSD is the stuff of that, wartime kind of experiences. And some of those uh, more extreme images, uh, obviously those things make an impact on us. But it's the same, apparently, when we view pornography or horror or violent acts, especially if those acts are real, and not dramatic, because sometimes we can downplay them in our own minds. Well, we know they're only acting. But when you see the real thing, something happens and it fixes it in your minds. It gets into your memory bank. You can't then unsee it and it locks into your spirit. And you need God to do something to bring freedom to you in that place. We need to guard our eyes And we certainly mustn't go looking for certain things. And I'm not just talking about the full-blown sinful stuff, but even the hint of it, that's what Paul says, not even a hint of immorality. So often our gaze is taken by a small distraction, perhaps an image that flashes up in the corner of the screen. And it's not particularly harmful or especially sinful at the time, But then we click on it and the next thing we know, we've clicked on something else and we've clicked on something else. And so our eyes have led our whole bodies into sinful behavior and darkness. And a shadow comes across our soul. Catch it early. Catch it early. Somebody once said to me, the first look is to show you where not to look next. (laughs) Catch it early. Catch it at first glance. Stop it there and refocus. You don't need to go there. Just felt like somebody needed to hear that today. You don't need to go there. You don't need to make that next click. Um, Don't look at dark things and don't look at sinful things. And don't look back. Don't look back. You know, we've all got things in our past that are dark and sinful because that's where we come from. 
But bearing in mind the risk of what we look at is what we become and what we aim at, we end up hitting. Looking back is dangerous for us because actually we can end up back where we started and feel like we're bound again and we're in darkness. Anybody experience that? I thought God had dealt with all this, but I looked back and I got caught. And I love the picture that somebody had of what God does with sin is he puts it in a bottomless pit covers it with water, puts a sign on the top and says, no fishing. <laughs> Don't go looking back. Don't go looking back and wondering if it's okay, wondering if it's dealt with, kicking over the dead body that Jesus has already dealt with. You remember the story of Lot's wife? She looked back at the city that God was going to destroy. She looked back. I don't know how she looked back. Perhaps it was some kind of wistfulness. Perhaps she was holding on to some things that she secretly loved. But God didn't love some pleasure, some treasure, some illicit desire. And she looked back. It says that God's judgment fell upon her and she instantly turned into a pillar of salt. I often wondered about that, but I've come to realize that what happened is that in that moment, she lost her humanity. She lost her humanity. She was reduced to a pile of her constituent chemicals (laughs) She found herself looking back to a time that preceded her own creation. She became dust. That's in Genesis 19.26, if you're not familiar with that story. But don't look back to sinful and dark things. It dehumanizes you. And God has fully humanized you in Christ, redeeming you and everything about you. So why return, as Peter says, to roll in the dirt like a pig (laughs) or to eat your own vomit like a dog. That's how disgusting it is. Get disgusted with that stuff. Let it disgust you. If you're struggling with looking at some things, ask God to just give you a sense of disgust and revulsion for the sin that it really is. You're just eating vomit. (laughs) You're just rolling in dirt. But it all starts with the eyes. It starts with what we fix them on. How many of you know that it's hard not to look sometimes? (laughs) Now, have you ever had somebody come up to you and say, look, don't look over there. But sitting there right now, and you kind of look like, don't look. I told you, don't look. Even in that moment, we find it hard not to look, don't we? So as well as determining not to look, and I feel like, you know, there is a necessity. We need to understand these things that we are repenting of. We are not going to look at dark things. We're not going to look at sinful things. We're not going to go back to where we started. We have to come to that place in our hearts. But we also need something else. That's kind of part of repentance. But we need something else. We need something that grabs us. We need something stronger that holds our attention. We need a vision for our lives, a revelation that consumes us and by so doing governs our lives. We need a governor in our lives that we aim at, something that we're going to aim at, something that we're going to give ourselves to, which is a compelling vision for our lives. We need that. Uh, In this context, as I've been thinking about it, an old verse has found fresh meaning for me recently. (laughs) It's the one that everybody uses for a vision talk. And it's in Proverbs 29, 18. It says, where there is no revelation or vision, people cast off restraint. 
And for me, the second part of that verse has come back with fresh meaning. Because without vision or, vision or revelation has the power not only to compel us and give us purpose, it also protects us from getting into trouble. Because without a vision, we cast off restraint, we get into lawless behavior. A vision will keep us. How often have you found for yourself that you're most likely to sin or get into trouble when you're aimless and bored? Without a vision, without a purpose, we're most likely to cast off the restraint that keeps us in normal life. We are kept by the vision that governs our lives. So what's your vision? I'm not going to try and tell you what your vision should be, but I mean, you've just got to look around this church and, guys, do you know I missed you so much last week? <laughs> it's good to go away sometimes and come back and appreciate it. What God has done. If you look around the church, we've got some amazing people. We're living out visions in social work. How many teachers have we got? We've got people who are involved in business and part of their heart is to support other people who can't get jobs. Um, we've got people involved in the medical world. I really believe that there's a new uh, impartation for people especially involved in medicine at the moment for revelation to go beyond education I believe that God is there's a prophetic sense of God releasing some answers to some very complex questions some cures that we still haven't seen I believe that that's something God is doing at the moment or being a parent I mean that is a good vision to be the best parent you can be to raise your children to love Jesus and be world changers. Don't just raise them to do well at, ch- at school. Raise them to change the world. <laughs> I'm not going to try and tell you what your vision is. I just want to illustrate it to you. Because I know for me it was an early encounter, and some of you have heard this before, so forgive me, but it was an early encounter with Jesus, that a revelation, if you like, that kept me through many temptations and difficult decisions. So at the age of four, I was very ill and I thought I was dying. And I had this vivid series of experiences with heaven, which meant that as a teenager, I could never actually deny that Jesus was real because heaven and Jesus became so tangible to me. And around this time, uh, I was four years old when I first felt God speak to me and say that I needed to, I needed to keep my life because one day he was going to call me to lead in the church. I needed to keep my way and keep it right. I've not lived perfectly since that time, but goodness knows how much less perfectly I might not, I might have lived without that sense of calling and purpose from an early age. I'm so grateful to God for speaking to me so young. What is your vision? What is it you're looking at? What is it you're aiming at? What do you want out of life for yourself and for your children, if you have them? What does that vision can tell you to be, compel you to be or to do? It's all about vision. But don't let this confuse you, because I, I know right now, because I know people, that right now everybody's thinking, oh my goodness. I've now got to get a vision. I've now got to find one from somewhere. 
somehow I'm going to pray and fast until I get this compelling vision. I just want to take that off you. That's not what I'm saying. And uh, although at the same time, it's good to ask God for a vision. Ask him for purpose. Ask him what your calling is or ask him to restore it if you've lost it. It's, It's good. But don't get obsessed about that or distracted about that. Because after all, it's his call that precedes your vision. And he's quite capable of revealing it to you. And unless you're intent on rebellion and disobedience, you won't miss it. You won't miss God's call for your life. But above all, there is no greater vision than of Jesus himself. To fix our eyes on him, to obey him, to prefer him above all others. To find in him satisfaction and purpose. And this is a vision that's so compelling that one hymn writer says the things of earth grow strangely dim when I catch sight of him. (laughs) My paraphrase. (laughs) Have you seen him? Have you seen him? Has he caught you? Have you caught sight of those fiery eyes that I was reading about earlier? Have you seen his glory, his beauty? Because once seen, Never the same again. Now, of course, I may have just confused you again because, of course, Jesus is invisible. We sing about seeing Jesus and we think, well, that's a great idea, but how do we actually see him? So this is a whole talk in itself, so I'm just going to give you a few ideas or thoughts about that as we've come to a close. And the first thing I want you to know is that Jesus has promised the pure in heart that they will see him. (laughs) Isn't that, have you ever thought about that as a promise? So that's where we start from, the pure in heart, those that will pursue him, those that will prioritize his kingdom will see Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Stand on that, it's your right and privilege to see him. And there's several ways that you can then see him, firstly through encounter type experiences. You know, I know people that have had visions, dreams, even out-of-body experiences. Don't let the New Age people rob that idea. Places and times and moments when God just opens heaven for them. It's not just for prophetic times. It's for those that desire it and long after it. That's what makes us pure in heart. That's what gives us the motivation to see him. I love that passage where um, Elisha is in the, in the city surrounded by enemies and his servant becomes very frightened in 2 Kings 6. And then he just turns to his servant, he prays for him, puts his hands on him, I guess, and says, Lord, open his eyes so that he can see. He opens his eyes and he sees the armies of heaven all around him. I believe that there are moments like that. We can ask for that. Lord, show us. Elijah says, show me your glory. And so it says his goodness passed by. We can ask for that. We can long after that. We can see him through encounter. We can see him by getting to know him and what he's really like. Because if you don't get to know him, how will you recognize him? Uh, Jesus is everywhere and in everything. And if you know where to look and what to look for, you'll find him. Here's a clue. Look for light in the world. (laughs) Look for the good stuff that's going on. Look for where there is beauty, where there is color, where there is flavor. That's where he is. He's there. He's everywhere. You can see him in other people as well. Look around the church. 
see Jesus in everybody, especially in people who love him. But you recognize him first and foremost by his attributes. So Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4, he says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That's how you get acclimatized to where Jesus is. He goes on, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. (laughs) So look for all those things. And then he says, look at me. And then he says, and the God of peace will be with you. You'll see him. (laughs) He'll reveal himself to you in his attributes. That's where he is. So can you see him? Can you see him in the world today? Can you see what he's doing? And thirdly, it's by the spirit of revelation. We can see him by the spirit of revelation and we can ask for this too and we can pray for one another to receive it. It comes as a gift from God. (coughs) One of the clearest places that we can see the spirit of uh, revelation operating is in people in the moment when they become when they go from unbeliever to believer. It's just so wonderful to see that moment. You just see the light go on in their eyes. I love that story of C.S. Lewis's conversion. It says, I know very well when I hardly know how the final step was taken. He says, I was driving to Whipsnade one sunny afternoon. When we set out, I didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God. And when we reached the zoo, I did. (laughs) Yet I had not exactly spent the journey in thought nor in great emotion, surprised by joy. Spirit of revelation. Once I didn't know, now I did. Once I was in darkness, and now I see. (laughs) Sudden awakening is definite, and you know when you've had it, and you can never go back to the way that you were before after you've had it. Never go back. And whoever said that this was just a once-in-a-lifetime type of thing, just for the unbeliever? As believers, we need a continual process of revelation because who knows that there is so much more to know of God. There's so much more to explore of him, so much more to experience of him, so much more that he wants to reveal about himself. We need the spirit of revelation. Paul prayed this for the Ephesian church in chapter 1, 17 to 18. He says, I keep asking. Notice that. Keep asking. I keep asking that the Lord, the God of Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you, it's a gift, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Keep asking. I want to know more. I want to see more. I want to experience more. We want to. As a church, we want to see more of Jesus so that you'll get to know him better. I pray, he says, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. It's about the eyes. (laughs) The inner eye, that the eyes of your heart be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. How about some of that for you today? Spirit of revelation, see Jesus. Let me just conclude. Jesus doesn't want us to look at dark things. There's so much more to see in the light. 
If you think about it, you can't see a lot in the dark. There's so much more to see in the light. So where have you been looking recently? If your eyes are the windows to your soul, what would you like other people to see about you and in you? Are they clean? Do you need your windows cleaning? (laughs) Now, any teaching about the kingdom, as we keep saying, (laughs) requires a response of repentance. It's going to come up every time we talk about the kingdom. Every time there was preaching about the kingdom, there's the call to repent. So do you need to be turning around from some of what you've been giving your time and attention to? Distraction. You're no longer in darkness, so live as children of light. Let the vision Jesus has for your life catch you up again. I was saying it a couple of weeks ago, but there are some mantles that some people have dropped. Some callings unfulfilled. You need to pick them up. Run after them again. Now, perhaps you've got discouraged and disappointment, be disappointed because sometimes things don't work out how we expect. <laughs> so why don't you bring some of that to him now? Just... Get your gaze fixed back on Jesus. Get back your vision for your life. Get back the vision of Jesus. I believe there are some fresh encounters for some people. And there's some eyes to be reopened and recommissioned for others. And there's a spirit of revelation for everyone. Different levels of revelation that you can ask for. I keep asking, the Apostle Paul says, I keep asking that you'll see more of Jesus. How about putting that into your prayer life? What you look at is what you'll become. What are you becoming? What you aim at, you will surely hit. What have you been hitting recently? What's coming back at you? Make sure that you're looking at the right things.